throw out your personal preferences too. Tell your brand people to go jump on a lake. That's the other thing too, <laughs> right? Um, because they're destroying your company, honestly. And it's like, but if you have a video that you run and it doesn't work, change it and go test it again, right? Like some of the things that we see that work are some of the stupidest things that we are like, okay, I guess that worked, right? Like you just have to be really open-minded to be effective uh, as a marketer today. And you have to put aside your personal preferences and you have to be willing to just go and test a lot of different things that may not seem like they're gonna be obvious. What is up, Modern Commerce listeners? I want to show you an amazing app we've been using called Triple Whale. You can check it out. Try triplewhale.com. It has all of the business health metrics and growth metrics you could possibly need all in one place, right? So everybody can get on the same page. This has revolutionized our ability to help grow brands and collaborate with brands. Everyone can get on the same page on the most important metrics. So if you're a media buyer, you can come into this and you can just use this little pin icon right here. You can pin to the top the most important stuff to you. So if I'm a media buyer, I might have ROAS, I might, I might have ad spend, I might have new customer ROAS, right? But if I'm an owner, maybe those things aren't as important to me. Maybe I just want, you know, net pro, show me the net profit, show me the sales, right? Show me the number of orders. Um, so everyone on the team can get in line, get, you know, on the same page of what the most important growth metrics are, because it's different for every brand. Um, so grab Triple Whale at trytriplewhale.com. Use it. I promise you it will make your growth path far more clear. And uh, enjoy this episode of Modern Commerce. Hey, Modern Commerce. Welcome back. You're here, as always, with Casey and John. We've got another hard-hitting interview for you today. We're going to continue along in the series we've been doing lately, the How to Build a Brand series. And today, John's got another awesome one lined up for us. John, who do we have today? And how are you doing? I don't want to forget to ask I'm you. I'm, I, am, I, am doing, I am doing well. Yeah. Don't forget to ask me how I'm doing. It is tradition on the show. So uh, I'm doing well. And I, I am very excited about uh today's today's is high profile a lot of people know this brand and and we have some of the people who really put this brand on the map so we have uh dan bischoff and chris uh who who were part of the team that launched purple mattress um and i will let them introduce themselves tell you how they got in, involved with uh purple and how uh and what their their roles were there um but yeah dan chris kick it over to you guys i'm gonna kick it to chris first because he he was there at purple before anyone so you gotta go, go first since you were there first my housekeeper is like back vacuuming behind me and so I was like, You're well, this, that, that's podcasting that's how, i'm like that. this is this is perfect timing and then another really strange story guys have this like this old guy in my neighborhood who's really rich like he sold all land around us and my wife's like hey he keeps showing up at the house because he wants to ask you what to do with all of his money i mean this guy's like 98 years old and right as we were starting here he was like showing up at the door digging the door but like I still haven't talked to this guy, so I it, like everybody's showing up right at the beginning of the podcast. So that's that's what my life's like right now. But uh, yeah, gotta go tell him what to do with his money. Sorry, sorry, it was it's weird, but um, but yeah, I'm Chris Knudsen, uh, my partner Dan Bischoff here. Um, we have an agency we can talk about later, but um, uh, yeah, as Dan was saying, I was the first person at Purple before Purple was Purple, um, and so. 
Um, the two founders that founded Purple uh, hired me in the spring of 2015 to come in and help them figure out what Purple's brand was going to be, how are they going to take it to market, um, the product offering, uh, all of those questions that you have when you're launching a business, they basically placed on me and uh, and uh, brought me as the the original chief marketing officer for the business there. And uh, <clears throat> ultimately, we did it in stages, but ultimately launched the brand January of uh, 2016. So um, that's that's the abbreviated. I'm not sure how much detail you guys want to get, or maybe Dan wants to introduce himself. But yeah, that was great. Yeah, Chris brought me on that summer of 2015 to to help out on the launch, and they didn't have the name of Purple. And when they actually when they decided to, they brought up some names of what they should call the brand. I thought Purple was a really stupid name. Me too. I was like, that's terrible, right? Purple, Lurple, you know. It's, an, it's a mattress brand. Why would we call it a color? I, I know. I know. But, you know, turned out pretty good, actually. But And so I was there to help, help Chris out on messaging, and we launched a Kickstarter campaign in 2015 and then launched the brand officially in, in January of 2016. Then I joined full-time uh, in April 2016 and then led growth uh, for the next four years, all the ad spend on that side. Nice. Okay. So, uh, I mean, obviously... Purple, pretty well-known sort of case study disruptor brand, uh, a little bit of a DTC darling, right? Um, so when you launched Kickstarter 2015, um, I think when Purple really was like on the map, on the radar for most is when you guys launched the Harmon Brothers video ad. But yeah, so I mean, I think that the Harmon Brothers video was really, as with many brands in that time period that they worked with, right? Like chat books, poopery, squatty potty, all of those, right? Um, and uh, so so when was that? Like, when did you guys launch the Goldilocks campaign? Yeah, so it's, um, we launched the Goldilocks campaign in January of 2016. We went to work writing that, um, writing that spot in uh, the fall of 2015. We filmed it over Christmas break in 2015 and then like super fast post-produced it, built a website and everything long. Launched anywhere, um, which right out of the gate was a success. Now, um, one of the things I like to talk about here is that um, that I think a lot of people don't understand, and this is something Dan and I talk a lot about, is the Goldilocks campaign was really a, a key to what the success to Purple launching it, but there were a bunch of other things that were like in play that were also made it really successful. Right. So the, the Goldilocks campaign kind of overshadows um, a lot of the other things, but the way that you launch a brand is extremely important. Like we were we were pretty progressive about like we went out to all the review sites in the fall of 2015 we set them all at the time sleepopolis was probably the biggest one and we we partnered with all those guys at an affiliate level we got them all to make video content like basically casper versus purple purple versus um whoever the other brands were at the time all those guys we got a bunch of that type of content developed before we ever launched um so if someone searched for us they would see mattress reviews which was really important we had a we took all of our Kickstarter um, guys. We had a mandate that the founders were like, hey, if you can sell 100 mattresses in the Kickstarter, then we'll fund like the big Goldilocks campaign. And we basically hired like one influencer who sold us 200 mattresses. And so it was easy. So, um, but that was Dan's idea to do the Kickstarter campaign. And it worked really well. And we went back to all the Kickstarter guys and we said, hey, uh, we'll send you a free pillow. Now that you've got your mattress, we'll also send you a free pillow if you'll go into Amazon and you'll leave a review. And at the time you could get away with that. Um, 
right. uh, on, now it's a little bit different, the Amazon environment, but like okay. having the Amazon listings up, having the reviews in there, like um, having the mattress review sites, we were doing influencer stuff before influencer stuff was like a thing. Like we were, we had a lot of that kind of, we weren't using it in ads the way we do now, um, but we had a lot of influencer campaigns we were running. I mean, there was a lot of things that we went and did that I think were extremely foundational that um, all the combination of that with the Goldilocks campaign uh, really caused the, like out of the gate, it was pretty thermonuclear, like in terms of a launch. So um so, so that's actually something I want to emphasize. Like what you're what you're essentially saying is like, look, you could go do go take a big swing, right? Like you could go take hiring the Harmon brothers at the time. They were the only ones doing videos like that. Now there are others that that do them. Um, it's not cheap, right? Like, and and they actually don't even work with everybody. So mm -hmm. like, you know, you could go do that, take a big swing. And at that time, you know, it's a good chance it's going to get you a good return. Um, but like the, your hit, your, your likelihood to kind of like get a hit out of it and really get the most mileage out of it. Like you put a lot of things in place, right? So it's like, Hey, you know, like if somebody sees this and they go search Google, they're going to see a bunch of comparison sites where we look favorable. Um, mm -hmm. like, so not just our own, I mean, it's not, it's a step more than just like, make sure we set up our branded search. Like, yeah, that's table stakes. Set up your branded search. If you're running any, you know, video ads, paid ads, YouTube, Facebook. Uh, but you're saying like, no, like let's get, make sure we're, we're featured in all the organic results as well. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, let's make sure that if they go check us out on Amazon, it's got lots and lots of five-star reviews. It looks established. It looks credible. Um, right. So it's like all of that, you know, all that awareness that you're going to create, right. All of that kind of demand cap or demand generation you're going to do, making sure you have all the stuff in place to then capture that demand for those people who don't follow the nice, clean, neat lines. We like them to follow and watch the video, click, go to the website, add to cart and buy right then. Um, especially for a mattress, you know, not a lot of people are making a, a mattress purchase decision the first day they see an ad. So uh, yeah, no, I think that that's super foundational and like, yeah, thanks for sharing that for sure. Yeah, and back then, oh, go ahead, Chris. I was just going to say a couple more things on that. I mean, it's um, that video cost $300,000 back then. And that was a steal. Um, yeah. Like we, we were, we like fretted over that $300,000 and they, they wanted to spend $200,000 right out of the gate and testing. We were like, oh my gosh, half a million dollars. It was nothing. I mean, we made that back in like literally days. And um, so it, yeah, I mean, it, it was the wild west in social platforms back then too like penny views and all this kind of stuff that like with long form especially today is not you know frankly as nearly effective like you know like dan and i talk a lot about we're like hey if we were going to launch purple today we would do it very differently right it's not 2015 anymore it's not 2016 the platforms have changed a lot platforms figured out they got wise really fast they were like hey why are we letting stuff go viral just to go viral we should make them pay for that and they do right and and that's now the case and you guys know that as well right but right. the other thing that we did too that i think super like maybe really really interesting for your listeners is i had this theory too at the same time that we launched the goldilocks video i said hey what if we made some really cheap videos and we tested those videos against the goldilocks video right and so we had a guy who was working with at the time who came on to Purple Later, Scott Dastrup, who's just an awesome like video guy. He's our go-to video guy, right? He was at Purple and he is now on a bunch of other stuff. We just did a shoot with him this week. And <clears throat> I went to Scott and I was like, hey, if I got 10,000 bucks, could we make like five videos that 
we could take and run and test against Goldilocks. Like this just use some short, shorter form type stuff, right? And he's like, absolutely. I'll come up with some concepts and some ideas. And he did one video in there that was like, when I saw it, I was like, this is so bad. We had like a spring bed. It was like metal springs. And we took these superhero dolls and we were these superhero hero dolls and we were bouncing them on this metal spring. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so bad. I, I almost didn't green light that video. And as Dan can attest, because he ran a bunch of spend behind it, that video is probably responsible for tens of millions of dollars in sales. And it cost us 2,500 bucks to make. It actually outconverted Goldilocks on YouTube. Yeah. yeah. As, far, as far as like a direct response, you know, yeah, compared yeah. to Goldilocks. And we had 40 some million views on that thing too. And it was very cheaply made. Um, but the message was right on. And Scott, even before that, when we're looking to launch in the brand, mattress keywords like 20 bucks a click. And, and we knew we couldn't compete the way that other mattress brands were doing it. And nobody was running video in the way that you, you, you saw, you see uh, that Purple did it and a lot of competitors copied afterward too. Mm -hmm. But nobody was doing that. And so the Kickstarter, and Scott wrote the Kickstarter script and it was, it was humorous and it was light and it was fun. You know, we validated a lot of these points before we went to Harm Brothers, you know, and into the big, the big production shoot. So in some sense, it wasn't like a huge gamble because we already saw that it, we, we hit kind of a formula that worked. Yeah. We had those supporting videos at the same time um, to go with uh, that big spend video. Right. Yeah. When, and, and it's, uh, yeah, I'm not surprised at all that something more like uh, direct and direct response, like outperform. And, and actually, I will even say, you know, uh, I don't know how much of a hand you guys had in the writing and scripting. You know, I know a lot of the times the Harmon Brothers are using their copywriters and stuff like that. But one major difference between your videos and others that they have done is uh, immediate intro of product within the first 10 seconds. Whereas oftentimes they don't intro product until a minute, minute, half into the video. So it's, I don't know if you guys had a hand in that where you're like, no, no, we need to hedge our bet here a little bit because if somebody doesn't watch a minute, minute and a half into this, we still need to know them to know what purple is and, and intro product. That's one of the things, that's one of the pieces of advice we give today. It's like, look, you know, you can't go do a chat books thing anymore. Um, mm -hmm. Too many people have done it. And, you know, if you try and do it and you don't intro product until a minute and a half into the video, you're, you're taking that big risk that you're doing, putting money into a video like that. And you're like amplifying it. Um, but what yeah, just on that point too, yeah, maybe yeah. Dan, you remember like, didn't we, didn't the goal or one of the videos we were running, like the brand was introduced like at 120 into the video and that everybody was, was dropping that. off at like 118 or something like that. And we were like, uh, remember that? Yeah. And that, and that was all, um, a few things there. We did have like 25 different intro versions of that. Right. And something that we learned from that too, I mean, the big reason that worked is that intro was quickly like, you know, what's a super easy way to know if your mattress is awful. And so you are, you are making people aware of the problem that they have. They might not know they have. Yeah. So right off the bat, it's like, how do you know if your mattress is awful? Here's a solution. So you're problem aware and you're solution aware in like the first few seconds. Right. So whoever is watching that, they're like, that person's watching is, is interested in what you have to offer because you're already, you're already getting that, that qualified viewer right off the bat. Right. The combination of that, though, with what, what we'll call the spectacle, Dan doesn't like that word, but the spectacle of the spectacle of the, the egg drop combined with that that question. Right. It made that video. Everybody wanted to watch it after that. And the actress who played 
Goldilocks, yeah, most of what we what most of what we used in that video was was stuff that she like ad libbed in. It wasn't in the script. She's so, funny. I mean, she's, she's a great. Comedian. Yeah, she's a great actress, and and um and she did a really good job on. It. She's very humorous, and so she really made that video in a lot of ways. And um, honestly, like yeah, we had a big script retreat, and we sat down, and yes, Harmon Brothers have their copy guys, and we have all this stuff, and the first script they delivered was garbage like we rejected it and we're like we have to go back to the drawing board on this and they came back really quickly with something that was what we got which was really good and then i think he added the the goldilocks aspect onto that in uh and it turned into like all all of the the stars really aligned on that i mean there was very little competition in the world people were actually watching long form then yeah. um or i guess i should say on mattresses there was very little competition then now it's ridiculous there was very little competition. People were watching long form. It was a humorous and good video. We could get like penny views, right? We could spread that thing. We spread that thing everywhere. I mean, it was like, who sleeps? Everybody sleeps, man. Let's just freaking spend, right? And we just went nuts. And it was converting at a really acceptable like CAC, like right out of the gate. And dude, we just went, we just went nuts on that thing. It was like $10 million in the first 60 days on that thing. And which created another problem is <laughs> the, the machine. The machine that was originally made to build the mattress because that was all made with these these inventors these founders like it, it's it, it really was a product that you know was nowhere else and so they had it's called the mat mattress max and it was designed to make like 20 mattresses a day it's a prototype and like like in a month we're doing 100 cells a day right yeah. so it's so that put us in a different people, hey we're gonna have your mattress to you in four to five weeks dude the mattress could produce like like 20 mattresses a day and the team that was like the production team could make like 10 a day because they didn't even have like the supply chain figured out like a bunch of stuff i was like what are you doing like i i had to bring a consultant in from the outside who probably saved the day honestly on purple to fix the supply chain issues really really fast or else we would have run that thing right off a cliff in the summer of 2016 easy yeah yeah so so i want to i mean that's that is like you know the common story from those that when you blow that time period right uh it was a very arbitrageable time period in, in youtube facebook so so you guys keep kind of alluding to this and saying like look if we were to launch it now we wouldn't do it the same exactly the same um but but i'm gonna i'm gonna highlight a couple things i'm hearing and a couple things that i think are circumstantial because i think that um I think the thing that a lot of founders do is they look at a purple, right? And, and maybe they have a sleep company, maybe they don't, but they see, oh, here's how they do it. I'll just follow their playbook. And the truth is you can't, right? Like you can't, you, you can't launch, launch, you can't launch movement watches today. You can't launch chubbies today. You can't launch purple mattresses today the same way. So, uh, but a thing, a thing that I'm hearing that you can do that, like principally the thing that you guys did is in the mattress game, you zigged when others zagged. So mm -hmm. like in the mattress game at that time, the name of the game was win demand capture. And even when we're going to do demand gen, we're going to do it in this, in the solution aware or problem aware category, right? So really it's kind of just demand capture extended, um, where we're going to do kind of us versus them and, um, you know, like, you know, review sites, that kind of like, those were the only other, only kind of demand gen things that were happening where you guys said, where can we, how can we go one step up to people who are, are not problem aware, like people who are, who are fully unaware of what the problem with their mattress is. Um, right. And like, they're aware that they like feel pain in the morning, maybe, but like, 
that is like true demand generation. Um, and especially the way that you guys st structured campaigns, Dan, we were talking offline about, it's like, we used video views, like, and that's true demand generation because the algorithm is just truly finding people who are, who are gonna, who are gonna view. So like, um, that was a zig when the rest of the, the mattress industry was zagging at that point in time. So I think that is, that's an evergreen sort of concept, right? But I think that the exact tactics you used at that time maybe wouldn't work if you were trying to launch purple today. So, oh, so that's, it's interesting you say that because we talk about this all the time. You're exactly yeah. right. By the way, the zigzag book, that was our playbook for launching purple. Like literally, <laughs> like we had that book and we read it and we we're like, oh, this is what we're trying to do. And that's, it's, uh, it was Jeff Harmon at Harmon Brothers. He's like, dude, you got to read this book because I think this is what we're trying to do. And I, I was like, exactly, you're exactly right. I read the book in like a night and I'm like, yep, you're right. And that was the playbook. Um, Dan, I talk about this all the time. We're like, we have a, like a, big, a very big revelation maybe 18 months ago. Um, we were working with a client where they had produced a lot of long form video and it was not, it just wasn't working. And so they hired us like, hey, can you guys come in and figure this out? And we we're like, okay, you're just running long form right now on platform, yeah. Okay, so immediately we started going out and cutting down a lot of that video into less than 30 second video with a really strong DR model behind us. We just recut all that video and we're like, let's just create really nice DR videos that are produced. Um, from that, we immediately brought um, the return on ad spend into like um, a break even essentially with the produced um, content. Um, and so we were like, okay, well, this is better than losing a bunch of money per unit you sell, right? So we're like, we have, but we have to do better, right? Um, we, they had a very good organic presence because they sell a product that's um, really popular with moms. And so we started going out and grabbing the organic content and um, taking the organic, basically the organic testimonials in social and building direct response ads out of that. And, um, and I'm giving you like, like the really condensed version of this. This is, um, not our secret sauce, but it's like, I mean, cause people are doing this, but it's something yeah, that yeah. I think we execute really well on. Um, but we immediately cut the acquisition cost in half by introducing that type of content and just spending really wisely against it and being very attuned to the data. Uh, and then even got even better metrics beyond that, um, past the immediate, like the immediate result that we were seeing there. Um, you know, and then just the conversations we have with people like you guys, other agencies, um, reps at places like, uh, Facebook and other places, it was like, uh, yeah, this is actually what's working. Like people don't watch long form anymore. Um, long form is, is not popular anymore. Uh, it has its place. Um, there are certain people that will watch it. We would use it in certain types of campaigns, especially in prospecting. Um, but the, the thermonuclear thing right now is really like the thing that's really working platform is what we were doing. And we saw that firsthand and started replicating that across all of our clients and started seeing a way better result. Um, we're familiar with all the agencies out there. Like we talk to them and work with them and that are really good at producing Harmon brothers type long form video. And, um, they're having a really difficult time. Uh, I would say evolving into what the platforms are really uh, about now, honestly, I mean, they're having a hard time evolving their business model. And so the question about, well, how would you launch purple today? Yeah. It would not be with long form video. There would be maybe some produced video aspect of that, but it would not be, um, it would not be reliant on long form video. That would be extremely unwise. That's not a best practice anymore. Right. It just isn't. Right. Especially that big of a swing, right? Like, um, of course, you know, that, that a lot of times the model for charging for that is a, a very large upfront 
Oh yeah. Possibly even royalties, you know. Nobody wants to pay for like three hundred thousand dollars for a bit, and now it's not three hundred thousand dollars for Goldie Lot. Like that thing would cost us a million dollars today. Right. Yeah. And then and then maybe royalties on top of that. Even. Yes. So it's it's and like and you uh, also you need to refresh creative so often. You know, the, the lifetime of, of one piece of creative is so short. And the same company that Chris was talking about, we did 600 ads for them over the year, you know? Yeah. And it's, and so that like you're taking one big gamble on one piece of content that might long, only last like a month. Yeah. So I think there's a place for big swings, right? Agreed. Right? Yeah. But, but you got to be like, you have to, it's calculated risks, right? So it's like, I'm, I'm all about big swings, but like, you like, like, I mean, we're talking about Goldilocks being a million dollar piece of content. Let's say you were going to go work with a, a, a team that was not Harmon Brothers, that was more trying to make a name for themselves. Um, and they were willing to do Goldie, a Goldilocks type video for like a hundred thousand, right? Still a hundred thousand. I think, you know, let's say you already have lots of UGC, you already have lots of that kind of short form content you guys are talking about. I'm about using that hundred thousand to take a big swing, but I would almost say like, why don't we get 10 pieces of produced content? That's $10,000, right. That maybe isn't such a large production, like, you know, lift, or can we get uh, four that are 25 K or can we uh, get a whole bunch of like something else that's not UGC. Like, uh, let's take a big swing that's different than what we're doing with that $100,000, assuming $100,000 is the right amount of money for you to take a big swing with. Um, but yeah, like to put it all into one piece of content today, I mean, I, I don't want to be the one that kind of like naysays them because I think a lot of them are evolving in the way that they like cut it up into shorter pieces and stuff like that. But, but yeah, I mean, it, it probably wouldn't be my first bet. Uh, yeah, Harmon Brothers has always been really smart about constructing the scripts and shooting it in such a way that they can modular. build it into a shorter form video, right? But still like produced. Um, yeah, to your example of like, hey, if somebody comes along, they got a hundred grand and they're like really fixated on the idea that they got to do a long form and they do it, we would advise them to do it in such a way that it could be cut to short form. Um, but we're not seeing, um, I mean, the produced content is, is, is fun. like it has its place, right? Like we, we definitely see, I mean, we just were on for a client a company that we actually have ownership in that we just did a produced piece, right? Like it has its place. Um, but we're seeing uh, organic, more organic type productions as being like, it's, it's just what's working in, in platform. And it's so expensive in the platforms right now, as you guys know, it really is what's, what's performing. But, um, but yeah, if you were going to do that, you had a hundred grand, I'd, I would construct the script in such a way that you could be chopped up very easily um, into shorter form, 15, 20, 30 second type videos for sure. I'm going to emphasize here too, that like, um, yeah, I don't mean to kind of like take the, mic too much even, but I, I think uh, it depends a little bit on the product product category. So focusing in on purple a little bit, you guys didn't have to sell anyone on the idea of using a mattress, right? Like everyone already knew what mattresses were and that they sleep on them. Like everyone already has a mattress uh, that you were selling to at the time. What you needed to do is differentiate, you know, and, and show your unique mechanism. So that's like, what I kind of categorize is like mattresses are a known product. So what we do with known products is we differentiate them. And, you know, oftentimes it doesn't take large production or long form to differentiate a product. Now, if it's a unique product, that's like a new thing people don't know about, it might take long form. Usually with a physical product, it won't, 
because you can kind of just show it and show what it does. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like maybe if it's like a new kind of supplement uh, or something like new kind of magical pill, which, you know, we're getting into, is there really any of that, right? But like it, something like that might benefit from long form where it's like less demonstrable and you kind of need to get people to buy into the idea of this thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think being aware of like, are you a unique new product that you need to first sell people on the idea of using this and then sell people on this solution? Uh, or are you a known product that people kind of use already that you need to differentiate? Or are you kind of like a non-demonstrable type product, right? And the creative styles are different. Yeah, I, I would say the thing that really sold me on on purple was, the, it's kind of, a, well, it, I mean, the whole thing is an interesting story, but it was like, I was like a mattress, really? Like, uh, I mean, I got referred into the guys from Purple from a local venture capital firm that was one of the guys that was an associate there was his nephew. And he was like, hey, can you go talk to these guys? They really need some marketing help. And I'm like, okay, fine. But I, I don't do mattresses. I don't know anything about this. And I went and I looked at it and they started telling me about this company, Casper. They're like, go check out Casper. You're going to see the potential here of the market. And so they, I did. I went and did my research on Casper and I saw what they were doing. And I was like, and then I went and started looking at what everybody else was doing in this D2C, like bed in the box space. And I was like, oh, they are all building the same like, like mattress. They're all building yeah. the same three different combinations of foam and, and same type of cover and all this other stuff. And, and purple truly has a differentiating and it's very demonstrable, especially for video, right? Very demonstrable product, uh, great for video, true differentiation. Um, and you can position it easily against the competition. Yeah. right uh you can position it easily against the competition and go win and i just looked at it i was like okay i get it i see it and and that's that's what happened that's why it won right so yeah and 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 you know i think it's like you can position it easily against the competition because it had a true unique mechanism and you don't have to explain what it is to people first right so we have a we have a brand we work with you know they they sell like uh like nut milk makers right like with that it's like you kind of actually have to explain hey like you can make almond milk at home you know, with something like this first. And then like, so placing that against the competition is like, doesn't really work as well. Cause somebody's like, I just figured out I could do this at home. You know what I mean? Um, whereas like you guys were like, you already know about mattresses, but look at this thing. And it is different. Like all you have to do is look at it. You don't even have to see the demo and you know, it's different. Right. Yeah. So, so it's, yeah. Like, I think you guys really leaned heavily into what the product already had going for it. Like you threw fuel on the fire that existed. One thing with mattresses is it might be a little different now because there's a ton of mattress ads, but nobody knows what mattress they sleep on. You ask them what brand of mattress do you sleep on? And people don't know. And so they're, they're not, they're not like people are not naturally fans of a mattress brand. Right. They don't even know the mattress brands except for maybe a couple of them until they start shopping for a mattress. And so with this brand, it was getting in front of that customer first. And a lot of studies we did with Facebook and with Google, is the first brand that would get a click to their website would win that sale about 85% of the time. Wow. So we were trying to generate as much demand for your brand and search volume and interest in the brand itself to drive that first click. Yeah, Dude. you're absolutely right. I know I sleep on a purple uh, now, but I don't know what my last mattress was before that. And people would call purple and ask if we're Casper, <laughs> right? People would call Casper, they'd call competitors of Casper and ask, we talked to some of them too. You sell and they would get mattresses. customers thinking that they were Casper. Like people don't know. They don't know the difference either, you know? Right, yeah, yeah. 
It's cool. pretty so, weird. It's a pretty weird industry, actually, that way. I, I want to see. Yeah, mattresses are interesting. We were talking about this last time, and this is something I'm going to shift into. So, look, I mean, I think the story on Purple is sort of the meteoric, meteoric rise and like how you guys ran that play. But like, like when you were doing that, I think you guys made a lot of right moves. And the circumstantial thing is you caught you caught things at the right time, right? Like the the platforms were more arbitrageable then. Those kinds of videos worked well then. You know, it might be a little different now. But I want to move past like that initial launch phase because I think this happens a lot with a product that actually truly does have a unique mechanism is like they can have this sort of like meteoric launch, but then you get into the sustain phase uh, and, and it gets hard because, you know, a lot of times there's expectations of growth that are very, very difficult, you know, in your three right or year four or something like that so uh yeah i want to talk a little bit about that and especially with uh, a mattress company where it's not like you have a really a lot of ltv lift there right like somebody buys they might buy again in whatever five six seven years but you know you can sell them a pillow you can sell them some stuff but your the lifetime value of a customer is probably one point you know one or 1.2 of what their initial purchase is, uh, you know, when they, they're buying, buying the mattress. So once you got into that sustained growth phase, like were the, add purple and I mean, you don't need to like, you know, say, oh yeah, I got, you know, like you don't have to down talk purple if, 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 if it were, was a personnel issue, but were you guys good about like setting the right growth expectations or did it continue to grow? Like, oh yeah, like we hit, we hit, we set hard targets and we hit them. Um, or were there actual like challenges with that, like kind of point of diminishing returns of that, that growth? Yeah, that's a loaded question. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot, like there's a, a lot of answers. Um, so, there's yeah. a lot of points to that that answer. Yeah, um, and a lot of different problems. Like we could tackle, you know, one at a time, probably. Yeah. Um, there's a few things come to my to come to my mind quickly. Um, one, this is basically every brand has these challenges as they reach a certain revenue level where they kind of like Velocity. plateau with the messaging and what they're doing only hits you know, a certain percentage of people and you have to like build upon that and do a different message and reach a different kind of pe person, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's one way we could talk about it. You also have competitors that start gunning for you. And they started like copying every word we would say, even the name of the mattress itself, we call it hyperelastic polymer, they would call it elastic polymer. Like they would, it would copy it to the T. And so even though like we, we had a very different product. If you're a customer, the customer's probably confused because they're saying the exact same benefits and solutions. And that, that's a big like creative problem, positioning problem you start having too, as you start getting bigger. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, there's also, uh, you know, we, there's, there was multiple CEOs, you know, at Purple too, you know, and, and they had, time. what's that? At the same time? No, I mean, when, while I was there, yeah, while I was there. Okay. So, okay. Um, they just, they're us on their third, fourth CEO. And now if you count Tony, Chris is yeah. the yeah, founder like CEO. Fourth, fourth or fifth, actually. No, Terry, and, too, fifth. I mean, yeah. And there's a lot of like, you start growing fast, you get like 60 million the first year, you know, you're close to 200 million the second year. And then there's, there, there's, there was executives that planned for a, you know, way too much. Uh, and they started buying too much product, buying too much machines, buying, hiring too many people, or stretching your cash too thin. Then, it, then it's like, hey, why can't you guys get the same CAC that you used to get, you know, when you started? You know, and then you get like, and then it started going public. And then we get like 
investment bankers coming in and they're having to, I have to sit down with investment bankers who don't know anything about ad spend. And they're asking like, Hey, when you're spending 15 grand a month, why was it so much cheaper to acquire a customer than when you're spending 10 million a month? Like, it's like, <laughs> like they don't get it. Right. You have right. to. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, it seems yeah. like it'd be cheaper now because you can reach more people or something. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. I mean, there's, there's all kinds of problems and, um, we didn't talk about any answers to those, so I don't know which way you want to go. But I mean, you the other issue too is you start to get people like you, you, everybody that was there at, that's there at the beginning that's like gonna take a risk. Like, the the I kind of equate it this way I mean, you have like your startup team, and then you have your corporate guys that come in, you'll start to grow it, and then everybody's like, we got to hire corporate like people, or we got to hire freaking McKinsey to come in here and tell us what to do. We or need like, Nike people to come and clean up the brand, you know, yeah, it's, we need to hire like a dirty these, brand that made it work, you know, what yeah, I mean? and then the CEO wants to come in and hire, you know, these big brand guys, and which is a guy that happened to purple. And it's like, okay, what do you want to be? Well, we want to be a cross between Nike and Apple, which is what everybody's every effing CEO says slash Apple of mattresses. Yeah, exactly. Every startup either wants to be the Nike of something, the Apple of something or the Uber of something. Exactly. I mean, and it starts and then they come in, they have all kinds of ideas. The the creative guys come in, they came in from something way bigger. Now they're coming into something that's at a couple hundred million is smaller than they've worked on. And they think that what worked at 5 billion is going to work at 300 million. And it doesn't honestly. And so these guys are what I call big army guys. Like they come in, they're used to like a lot of resources, a lot of tanks, a lot of guns, a lot of bureaucracy, you know, and generally they like move really slow and, and they're not the startup team. The startup team is a special forces. Like they're gritty, like they're well-armed, like they're very good at shooting, like the, the, and they don't care if they kill people, right? Like when we started out, we were like, we're going to go kill Casper. Like I've told That's Casper- quite the see- analogy, by the way. It's quite the analogy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've told Casper CEO this, you know, I taught one point when we talked, I was like, my goal when I was to destroy you, like, honestly, <laughs> like that was our goal. And yeah. uh, the takedown, it happened, right? Like that was a hundred percent. All we slept, all we ate, drank and slept was destroy Casper. That's it. And like, we really like Casper. Like they're great guys. Honestly, it's a good company. <laughs> Nothing against you. I just, you know, yeah, to- no, it's like, they're good people over there. Right. Like, um, so it's, um, but it was our goal five years ago, I was like, we have to destroy those guys. Like you have to have that type of a, and it's like politically incorrect for the corporate people. No, we just want to make pretty ads and pretty ads don't convert. Honestly, most of the time, pretty ads don't convert, especially in Facebook, Instagram, they definitely don't convert in TikTok. So, um, it just doesn't work. And that's even more so now, but if a creative, send it to clients, Casey. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. If a creative looks like an ad in Facebook, it's not going to convert. You're done today. That's and one reason I, if you're going like CTV or even YouTube, different story. Right. But like yeah. Facebook, Instagram, if it looks like an ad, it's probably a bad ad. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, I, I, so, so this is interesting. So first of all, I mean, you said, yeah, there's a lot of problems there. You know, we didn't tackle solutions, but we're probably not going to get into like every solution for every of those. And I think that, you know, you might be treading a little lightly because like purple has been a great experience for you guys. And maybe some of those problems are still problems today. Um, but I think everyone has those problems. Everyone has those problems. And I think that that's the thing that I'm glad you acknowledged, right? Because I think that we had this whole thing in e-commerce where a bunch of companies really boomed like hard in 2020, Mm -hmm. right? And not just the public, like Pelotons, obviously, Oh yeah. you know, but, but smaller e-commerce brands really boomed in 2020 
and they had the exact problem you just described. They over-demand plant, right? And they mm -hmm. overbought and they got themselves in cash crisis. And it's not really their fault. It's, uh, like what I always say about e-commerce demand planning is like direct to consumer. The thing I say about direct to consumer demand planning, I'm like, oh, you mean demand guessing? Like that's that's really what it should be called. You're, it's best guess, right? So it's really hard to do, you know, to like at mass scale when you need to get that product planned. Um, but yeah, no, I think it's good that you like are not like, look, even Purple, every company has this problem. So I will, that problem in particular of like, okay, fast growth and, and some of its personnel that you, you stated, I want to, I want to actually ask you one question about the personnel. And then I want to ask you, how is it that you tackle that problem of like, what happens when you over demand plan? Um, and, and you can't hit that same CAC and have that same efficiency. Um, so I do want to touch base on that. And then I also want to touch base on like, I think, you know, the growth team, that startup team, uh, they are special forces, but at what point does it meet? Is it like, well, we need a little more than a special forces team. Like we need a little, something a little different, but maybe not the big army. Um, those are kind of the two questions, the, the, the two solutions that I want to focus on. The fast, one, quite, fast answer to that last question is you hire mercenaries. So like, and those are the agencies, like right. fr frankly, like dude, people who are really good at their job don't want a job. Like, honestly, like we, we do not want a job wherever Dan is on the screen. Like, yeah. right. We like, okay, if you're going to hire us, it's going to be extremely expensive. You, it's easier to retain us right. and have us work with your in-house team. Right. Oh, you want to hire us? Okay. Well, you can't afford that, honestly. And that's just like people who are actually really good at their jobs. That's what they do. Frankly, like they are consultants, they run agencies or right. whatever. Master you have good in-house teams. You got good in-house teams. And those guys are kind of like, I can't tell you how many conversations we've had with people that we've worked with, with in-house teams are like, Hey, how do I do what you guys do? Right. Cause they're, they, they see, they're like, Oh, if I get really good at Facebook or making videos or email or you know affiliates whatever it is they're like dude i can go make real money like real money and do we pay marketing people a lot of money today honestly like in-house teams get paid really well especially in d2c because they're hard to find it's hard to find good people and so sorry that was the, the I, that was supposed to be a short answer to that la to that last question but i'll just say too like covid really quick um like there was something like 500 d2c mattress brands going into 2020 and I don't know how many of those guys like took the hit, but we would have these calls with these mattress companies in 2020, like let's call it this time in 2020, like two years ago. Right, and it was right. either one of two things, dude, we are blowing up. We don't even know like what happened. Like we're, we can't, can you guys come in and help our marketing team? Because we're like, we're going thermonuclear or it's like, I don't know what happened. All our cells just dried up. It was, it was one of those two stories in the mattress space. Interesting. And, and in the companies that blew up, their investors had unrealistic expectations for the organizations that were blowing up. They thought that that was like, like we have one client that 300% growth in the mattress space in 2020. It's insane. And so do that they, again every year for the next 10 years. Exactly. So the investors, so that what you were talking about on the expectations is that investors typically are in the boards are pushing down and they're pushing down that pressure on the management organization to keep up that, that, that tempo. Right. And it's not possible. And then it's like, you should, they should have known looking at going, okay, what's going to happen with COVID? Like how fast is recovery going to be supply chain issues, all the other things that happen? Like we're still in recovery and now we're in a recession. And so everybody's sitting around in the first quarter going, why did my first quarter suck? And I, I've had this conversation with our clients that are selling, especially like product north of $500. I'm like, dude, we are in a recession. 
Like, yeah, that's why you didn't have a good first quarter. Like we're literally in a recession. It wasn't because someone effed something up in the Facebook platform. Yeah, no. Uh, like one of our one of our buyers not, or something like it's that. It's not because we should be targeting a different audience on Facebook. Yes, exactly. It's like you got to be in the mind frame that you're in a recession. Like if you sell a $2,000 product and it's not a, it's a want and not a need, guess what? It just got a lot harder. So yeah. I'm sorry, and I just went off on a tangent there. Sorry. Yeah, year over year, it's not just the economic and the uncertainty with what's going on in Russia and the whole world, but it's it's also like the Facebook algorithm changes on iOS. Totally. Like it was in, you know, back in 2020, it was, Facebook was much cheaper. Attribution was better. Like it was, it was that, easier. That 2020 was like easy Facebook, where now it's hard. It, right? it actually regressed two years, I think. It, it ended yeah. up getting harder and harder for two years. And yeah. then everyone being at home and just mass, like there was more time spent. It was stickier and people were converting. They didn't have anything yeah. else to do with money. So, yeah. yeah, like it actually regressed two years in 2020. And then in 2021, it kind of went back to pace. And then iOS 14 hit and it, it got even worse. Right. Going back to, I think, your question before is like, who do you hire? How do you, how do you build that team as you start growing? Because every time you, you get certain, you get more spend levels, you got to have more people watching it so that things aren't falling through the cracks. Right. Um, we were just sitting with a, a younger team. They're pretty good, pretty talented team. They're younger and have, haven't been through this, this experience before. They're growing pretty good right now. Yeah. You know, and they want to build it all in house, right? They want to bring it all in house and they want to be nimble. They want to bring customer service people up to be, you know, ad buyers and, and it's it's like he's like, dude, you're gonna spend in over a million a month. Things are gonna are falling into the cracks. At this point, you gotta bring experts in. You pay them more money. You reduce your CPNs by a little bit. You in, you you reduce your cost per click by a little bit. And at your level of spend, that's gonna be huge money making. And it's in you're gonna be better off. You gotta bring in agencies and the internal team, get a good mixture of that, get experts in this field so you can really hit the gas. Otherwise you're just gonna, you're gonna get stuck and you're gonna decline, so. It, it's like, uh, you know, I think, um, we ask actually a lot of in-house and, and uh, let's say all four of us here have a bias, right? Like, let's say we all have a bias toward agency. We're all agency people. Um, we ask a lot of, you know, founders, presidents, CMOs, this like, and, and they all have some degree of a different answer. Um, there's a grayscale, but there's something you said offline to me, like Dan, where you were like, do, you want to do what purple did? Like you, that's not an in-house. That is so many, there, it takes a village to do something that big, right? Like that's nice. in-house working with agency, working with another agency, working with uh, agency vendor partner, like, you know, uh, it's take, it takes a village to do something that big and that fast. And the other thing is like, when you know, a second ago, Chris, when you were like, you know, in-house, in-house people oftentimes are like, well, how do we, you know, how come we're not able to keep up? It's the thing that I, I say all the time is like, there's just no replacement for reps, right? Like we're big on sports analogies on, on the, on the, on the podcast. And, uh, I actually like, this is more of a story I told, right. I, I play basketball a lot and I play a lot of pickup and play with this guy. I played a little college ball, just community college ball. And, uh, he's a really good shooter, like great shooter. And I was asking him like, yeah, how can I shoot a little bit better? And he's like, dude, so for from my sophomore year of high school through my two years of community college, I went to the gym every day on the shooting gun. So like the thing that catches the ball and passes it back to you, the shooting gun. And I shot a thousand threes every single day. And he goes, okay, now let's say I didn't actually do it every single day. I only did that 250 days out of the 365 day year. That means I shot 250,000 threes a year for four to five years straight. 
So I shot one to 1.3 million three-pointers in the gym. Like to put that in context, I play a lot of basketball. I maybe shot 50,000 in my life, you know, like, so it's like, there's no replacement for reps. That's what agency people have, right? That in-house, they've just been through it so many times. They've seen it. Oh, this kind of brand with, you know, product centric brand, unique product, product centric brand, known product. Like they just have those frameworks built, you know? No, I, I agree with that. I think um, another point is, um, and that when I was growing the purple side, I, I had the same thought, bring it all in house. Right. But I hadn't had that level of spend before either. And what also happens is once you get success, your team leaves you. Oh, yeah. They get recruited <laughs> and then knowledge goes away with them. Right. Yeah. And, and I actually like having an in-house team just for that fact too. It's like someone leaves, someone has health problems. You still got the agency that, that has a lot of that, that knowledge. I, I, a mixture I think is, is the best way to go. Yeah. And it, it also depends on like what talent you have on the team and you know, what you're skilled at, you know, and, and what the agency is good at, you know, you might need an agency. We always said an agency for shopping because they're really good at it at the shopping side. Right. right. Um, and we had a, we also had a, had a, a big agency doing a lot of the kind of grunt work on Facebook, sending out the campaigns and building them out. You know, we had a couple of people, employees that I had, people on like the the prospecting side of facebook and a couple on the retargeting side of facebook looking at stuff with the agencies that are doing others so it, it just kind of depends too what what you have in-house and what what you need so right. we, we have a couple of clients right now that don't have in-house marketing teams and they lean on us for almost everything and we're like you guys gotta hire an in-house team yeah as your agency we can it's only so do important. so much yeah. Yeah. yeah we're like we can only do so much so you gotta have some guys in here um, some people in here who are uh, really good at a couple of different things and that we can work directly with them. But like, we, we can't be your, we can't be your everything, honestly. We just can't, like, we got a lot of clients, right? Like, so we're really good at a couple of things or, a, well, you know, I mean, we, we consult too. We're good at a lot of things, but like the things that we actually want to sit down and do the tactical work on yeah. is um, that that's a really like the, there's just a couple silos of those things that we'll do, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. You need someone that's a coordinator, a journalist, at least, you know, to, yeah. to coordinate those that's, that's savvy enough to know how this connects to this. Right. Right. Um, cool. So I think, you know, we'll wrap up here and I want to, I want to um, say, uh, <clears throat> sorry, the next question I want to ask, I want to ask two questions. You're building a mattress because I think, you know, the series of this is like kind of building a blank brand. So if we're talking to an apparel brand, like how to build, how, how to grow an apparel brand, how to grow a shoe brand, you know, something like the footwear brand, how to grow a food and beverage brand. I mean, purple is like, you know, purple, purple is going to be in the title, uh, but, you know, specifically in the sleep space and the mattress space, what are the unique advantages like of, of like running maybe whatever high ticket sleep space, mass market product, that kind of thing. And what are also the unique challenges of that? Oof. You want me to go first? Yeah, go ahead. I mean, that's a big question. Go, yeah, go ahead. You'll, you'll think it through, I'll just babble on. This is kind of brain bombing out here. Uh, advantages, you can have a higher CAC. Yeah. Right, and that, that actually helps. less to you. Yeah, that, I mean, you get 500 bucks of a CAC, that's, you can you can deal with that at the high price item, right? And And, you know, faced with today, it's hard to get a good CAC on a lower price item, right? right? You also have a longer sales cycle, so you don't get that purchase data back for a while. So it's kind of hard to really know on a return of ad spend, you know, for a couple of months, like what's really working. That, that's a good and a bad. Right. 
Um, selling to. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, you no, no, next. Go ahead. I, I go after you. interrupted you. No, you got to go after you. Here, I think that people in in e-commerce and in D2C, they don't realize that their best friend, their secret weapon is actually their lowest tech, probably the lowest tech technologies. Okay. So like if you're like really high ticket item, you need to employ a call center. Like you need to have an 800 number on your, on your site. Like people want to, if, if they're going to buy a $2,000 piece of exercise equipment from you, they want to talk to somebody. They want to know about warranties and returns and all that. They want to talk to a human, know you're a real company. The other thing that you should be doing with that call center is employing them to uh, in your abandoned car and you want, yeah, yeah. Uh, like we, we look at a abandoned car and people are all the time like, well, a call center is way more expensive than email. And I'm like, yeah, but I I'm setting my channels out to compete with each other. Like if the email, if the, if the abandoned, if the call center and get somebody the email didn't get, then great. Like I'll take it. I understand it might be more expensive, but I'm going to take that all day long. Right. Mm -hmm. The other thing is email. Like email is now like the lowest tech thing in the internet that we, and it's still one of the most effective ways to market. Right. Like, and it's like, hey, what are you doing with email campaigns? Like email campaigns, call centers, like especially in big ticket items, like like those like kind of things that you just wouldn't even think about, or you'd be like, it's too obvious to like think about how to implement it. Dude, those are the things that can totally go out and win, like then be the differentiator in channels that goes and wins, honestly. So um, Dan, I don't know if you were gonna say something about that because I interrupted you on that, but. Hold on a second. Keep going for a second. You got a sound going on here. Oh, you got to stop. Okay. So we, we often will get people who will call and they'll be like, Hey, I've got a product. It's a X $2,000 product. You know, we're struggling with this or we're struggling with that. <clears throat> and I'm like, okay, do you have a phone number on your website? Well, no, I don't want people calling me. Oh yeah. Cause that would be awful. Um, right. Yeah, and no one ever talks with a phone number on these podcasts or anything else like it. They don't know about, you got a freaking phone number on the site. Yeah. You click the call with your thumb. Totally. You know? And totally. especially if your if your audience is a little bit older, yeah, mm -hmm. right. You know, you're in the you're in your fifties or sixties. Those people want to talk to you. In yeah. fact, like we had a great success with print magazines. You know, of just getting a, a phone number on a uh, purple, Get, getting a phone number, getting a long form like almost article like Ogilvy style long oh, yeah. form written ad letters, with like. a phone number in like AAA magazine, and it crushed it. Got like you know, a thousand calls over the weekend. Problem was, we didn't have a call. We didn't have anybody answering the phones over the weekend. You know, that's a lesson we learned too. You got to get people on the weekends answering the phones. Like, like there's a lot of stuff outside of just Facebook. There's a lot of stuff outside of just Facebook and Instagram and Google that's going to make you money today. And Chris yeah. always talks about the sloshing bathtub. That's like the Warren Buffett thing. He always talks yeah, about Yeah, like the, the sloshing like bathtub is like the thing yeah. that worked. Like, like dude, we're starting to see CPM sometimes on Facebook, like $100 CPMs. I'm like, get go away. Are you serious? Like it's it's ridiculous. Like, um, but like the print campaigns are ridiculously low CPMs, right? Television is a ridiculously low CPM. I mean, you run like CTV is big and emerging right now. We don't have a single client that's not interested in CTV. We offer those services because we brought in our best the best CTV guy we know to, to do it, because everybody's asking about CTV right now. And you can get into C CTV for low CPMs, right? It's TV. But and TV people are is, forced to watch the ad. Yeah, but they're forced to watch the ad. And it's extremely, ex it, it, like, we can pixel that data. We get a lot of data out of CTV. And it's extremely interesting and, and really cool, like, in prospecting campaigns. I mean, we can do a lot. 
in uh, in this new TV everything space. And people aren't thinking about that either. They're starting to now, like six months ago, nobody was asking about CTV and now everybody is. And we're like, yes, and we do it. Let's go, let's go for it, right? So all these kind of old school things, a telephone, a TV, uh, email, right? Um, SMS, SMS is freaking awesome. Like, especially in high ticket products, right? I implementing an SMS campaign is, is key. We had a client that was a travel client, like they had travel products. And uh, when COVID hit, they're like, we're screwed, we're done. And we were like, dude, you guys just need to implement like a really smart SMS campaign. And they did, and it kind of saved them. And yeah. so it's like all of those things that everybody wants to go whiz bang, man, I need the big camp. I need the big video. I need the big Facebook campaign. I need, get me in TikTok right now. And TikTok is really interesting. It's super interesting, but it's the wild west too, yeah. right? Like, so um, like sometimes you're, everybody's looking at the big whiz bang thing and they're not thinking about like, the blocking and tackling things, right? Yeah. A telephone number, uh, uh, you know, an email campaign, right? That's where you go in. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Well, uh, we can we can wrap up. I yeah, I appreciate you guys sharing kind of the story of how that how it happened at Purple, what people could take from it, what people, uh, you know, what things are circumstantial. That's like, look, you try and go copy this today, it's probably not going to work. Um, the thing we like to do at the end is we kind of just do a parting shot, right? Um, it's sort of a TLDR. Look, if you, a lot of times it's the clip that goes at the beginning of the episode. Um, it's like, if you didn't watch this whole thing, you know, if you take anything from this, take, take this. Uh, we'll give it, so, so kind of 20, 30 seconds, you know, maybe 45 seconds. We'll give you guys both a shot at it. And, and whoever does the better run, we'll put you at the beginning. Just like parting advice? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, the yeah, TLDR? Yeah, TLDR kind of parting shot. Tell people what this is. What we talked about? I don't remember what we talked about. I can't remember it passed like two minutes ago. <laughs> I'm gonna get, I'll give you the too long, didn't read. I'll give you one piece of advice too. If you're like in a D2C company, freaking move faster, dude. Move faster. Like move with a founder mentality and not an employee mentality. And you, you have to in this world. But the, the too long, uh, didn't read is there's extremely interesting opportunities in user-generated content and video and the platforms right now. TikTok is the new frontier. Everybody's trying to figure it out. And uh, like, go look at like older forms of marketing in D2C and employing them in D2C, telephones, TV, SMS, email, all that stuff. Massively successful channels if you implement them correctly. Like, don't ignore those things because you think that something like TikTok is the new shiny thing and you got to be there. You do need to be there, honestly, right? Um, but you have to have a holistic approach to marketing if you're going to be successful. Uh, and if you don't know how to do that, um, call one of the four people on this uh, this this uh, video. So there you go, Dan. You want to take a shot at it? Anything else to add? Yeah, I mean, just the just the conversation today. Purple launched. The success was really about building. It's like an infomercial, you know, blocking, tackling with messaging, problem solution. I mean, it was really basic, done in, in a fun way. But like that, that you can take, you can take today. You just gotta build it towards what's rele relevant today. You know, you gotta build it towards like really short form TikTok, really short form user generated, you know, Facebook, Instagram. But all the stuff that made that made purple work. You know the the review sites um multiple videos that were cheap like all the foundation of it is still very applicable today of uh, you just got to apply it a little bit differently um you know and if you have a differentiated product i think you still do well today even during a recession oh, sorry yeah. to, to dan's point about 
you just got to do things differently. Like test, test, test. Always yeah. be in a mind frame test. Throw out your personal preferences too. Tell your brand people to go jump on a lake. That's the other thing too, <laughs> right? Um, because they're destroying your company, honestly. And it's like, but if you have a video that you run and it doesn't work, change it and go test it again, right? Like some of the things that we see that work are some of the stupidest things that we were like, okay, I guess that worked, right? Like you just have to be really open-minded to be effective uh, as a marketer today. And you have to put aside your personal preferences and you have to be willing to just go and test a lot of different things that may not seem like they're going to be obviously like really good. Uh, but a lot of times the stuff that I have a personal preference, I think, oh, that's really awesome. That's the stuff that doesn't work. Right. I mean, it just, it isn't right. And so it's I really like, cool I've, yeah, yeah. And it's like, so you got to get creative and you got to get, this is why it's also good to bring out people from the outside because they bring a different view and a different set of eyes. And they can look at your thing and go, you're not doing this and you're not trying that. And you're not doing that. Let's go try those things and let's go find success. Right. So, yeah, so yeah. be very open-minded, put aside your personal preferences uh, and your likes and your dislikes and all that other crap. Anytime I'm in a conversation with someone who's like, oh, well, I just don't really like that. I'm like, well, everybody has a freaking opinion. I'm like, I don't care. Go test it. You know? So it's, you just have to, that's how you go be successful. So honestly. <laughs> I love it. So it's, this stuff's know, not rocket science, honestly. Oh. It is, but it does take a lot of focus and testing and figuring it out. Yep. It does take a lot of work that way. And common sense. It also takes common sense, which most people don't have. That's crazy. Yeah. So it's fundamentals, right? Like it's like you said, you know, move fast, be on the channels where your where your people hang out. And then like, I think Dan, what you said, I loved, it's like, look, yeah, we did this thing in a fun way, but like, if you look at it, and you look at like some sales envelope sales letter some guy wrote like 50 years ago david ogilvy wrote it's pretty same much thing. actually the same thing the same totally. thing it is exactly how the same you can thing. look at a 45 second tiktok ad that really slaps and it's actually pretty much the same thing same thing um yeah and 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 yeah it's just kind of move fast test find out find that messaging that works all the fundamentals other things we know uh i appreciate you guys being on this has been fun really glad we got to kind of like tell the tell the purple girl story on the podcast casey i will let you take us out say all the youtube things i wanted to hear casey's input though on this thing too didn't hear any advice from casey <laughs> no man I, I, casey, these guys are full of you know marking things that he can send to clients when they tell him that an ad it doesn't meet their brand standards you guys drop some things that i'm just going to straight rip some great advice exactly <laughs> i'm going to send them links to this they're like just watch this second here where this guy says fire those brand yeah. people you know like <laughs> that'll probably get chris and i fired too well we're brand sensitive we are but at the same time we're like dude you got to lighten up when it comes to us on brand message oh okay yeah you know it's, it's, one thing it's dumb. To me, the fonts and the colors like that's no big deal right yeah. but if it's like well this doesn't really feel like i don't know i don't mean to call anyone out this doesn't really feel like olipop and i want our ads to feel like olipop like did you say feel like what do you mean like that's so subjective right? what they're saying is they're like we don't like your stuff and we don't want yeah. to run it and it's like that's your personal opinion and i don't give a crap exactly so yeah, exactly my thought is if it doesn't sell it's terrible brand if it yeah. sells it's a great brand that's you know, it. You got to some guidelines a little bit, maybe you know. Uh, yeah. We've said it before on this, but we we want brands to establish their brand identity through performance, not around performance. Things that don't work. That makes no sense. Decide but. the brand identity and then go. That makes no sense. Yep. Exactly. Hundred percent, dude. Cool, Casey. Take us out.
Dan, Chris, thank you guys for joining us today. It's been awesome. I'm happy to just, just kick back and, and kind of watch and hit some buttons over here because that that conversation needed nothing else. John, thank you for leading that thing. I could never uh, keep up with the uh, the pace of questions. I could never interview the way you do. So appreciate that. Uh, Modern Commerce, if you've been listening this far into a video, no doubt you liked it. So go ahead and hit a like on the video. Please subscribe to the channel. Uh, hit the bell icon to get notifications about whenever we drop new content on the channel. And as always, until next time, we'll see you.